Are you, are you open to the Lord speaking to you? Amen. Amen. Who's calling me? Hmm, somebody in three rivers. Come to church. And uh, hallelujah. All right. Well, this is uh, Thanksgiving time, Thanksgiving week. And I've been preaching on Thanksgiving, the giving of thanks, being thankful and having a thankful heart. Uh, and I want to continue. This will be the last one on it. Um, as uh, when we come back, I'm going to deal with a different subject. But um, I'm going to start off with a verse. It's one of my favorite verses. It's actually the verse that we started off with in, uh, or yeah, that I read in during the offering, Isaiah 26.3. I want to go back to that arena. And uh, uh, I'll just say, you know, we praise God. Mom's here today. She's been battling like a vertigo type thing for the last three days. Uh, just, you know, vertigo. Have you ever had something like that where you're just dizzy and everything like that? But she's standing in faith. You know, this is something that... Uh, I tell you, we are so focused on how we feel that we don't do what God says. As Peter said earlier, the house of God is a hospital. It's where healing is. She, she understands that. It's like, I guarantee you, she did not feel like coming this morning. And, uh, but she's pressing against it and believing God. And uh, uh, we stand with her in agreement. God is faithful. But reading again from Isaiah 26, 3, Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in the Lord. Now, I want to focus, number one, on our mind being stayed on him. This is really a difficult thing as a human being to do. Our mind, just look at, your, just look at yourself in your life. How many times during the day does your, no, how many times during the hour, no. How many times during the 30-minute segment does your mind go here, then back over to here, then to here, and to here? Keeping our mind stayed on something is very difficult. I have this testimony. I'm usually reading four or five books at a time because I can't stay on one thing. I'll read a chapter here. Then next time I read, I'll go over and read that book. Then I'll come over and read this book. And, and I'm, I'm constantly reading something. And because we're all victim of this to some degree or in some area of our life, God says he will keep us in shalom. He will keep our lives in a realm where there's nothing missing, nothing broken, where everything works. Now, he did not say that he would keep us in a realm that is always a fun walk. He didn't say you're going to like Everything. In fact, if we jumped over to uh, Psalms 23, he's, you know, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which in the prior verse he said is a path of righteousness. Amen. So, so he's not saying here that it's always fun. We live in a fallen world. There is a devil. Sin and sickness is around us. Uh, depressing thoughts, depressing happenings are, are in the, the middle of us. We're drawn uh, by our lust, the Bible says that uh, over in the book of James, that our wants, our desires, our lusts causes us to chase after things that you cannot get away from the uh, Galatians that whatever you sow, you shall reap. And we're living by all these things because of all the distractions that, that come about. Uh, according to statistics, you, me, as an American citizen, are the most marketed to people on the whole earth. I think if I remember correctly, you see or hear, you know, radio, television, billboards, you see on average about 3,000 uh, advertising things per day. I heard a statistic, now this is a book, I'm reading a book, and they were talking about um, the budget 
of um, liquor. And this one company, it's one of the, it, it's considered, it's funny, it went through it, and it's all psychological stuff. See, see, marketers understand you more than you understand you. This particular, I can't remember which one it was because I'm not into alcohol, but this particular one, they spent $34 million a year on advertising. That's like a lot of money. Do you know why they do it? So that they can have an expense, a tax write-off of $34 million? No, because they know that in that $34 million spent, they will make more by affecting you and me and how we think. Now, uh, just dealing with alcohol, maybe something's pulling on me. Um, how much is it the Budweiser spends for their 30-second commercial during the Super Bowl? It's like multiple millions, right? Does anybody know the answer to that? I didn't look it up, but it's multiple millions. Who in America does not know what Budweiser is? Why in the world would they spend that much money? Because they understand the psychology of it. They understand that you will buy it after seeing it. I remember, uh, it's been around long enough, uh, when, uh, oh man, I forgot his name. still see his face. Uh, Lives in Arkansas. Bill Butler. When Bill Butler was here, he was an alcoholic before he uh, uh, got saved and went into preaching. But they were all sitting around uh, drinking, and there was a um, uh, commercial. Uh, it was a beer. It was kind of like an off-brand beer. Uh, can't think of what it was called right now. But anyway, a guy was skiing down a snow slope, you know, a mountain. And he comes down, like, there's somebody, and, and the TV's Peter, you know. And when he gets down there, he, he stops and, no, it's bush beer. And snow went all over and it says bush beer. And they all looked at each other and said, that looks good. Let's go get some. <laughs> and uh, so there's like four or five of them, whatever it was. It wasn't just him. And they went down and bought a case of uh, bush beer and they all got sick. And they said, man, that's the worst beer we've ever drinking, man. It's horrible. And, you know, they went on and on about it. And then uh, so a week goes by or something like that. And they're sitting around again and they see the same commercial. And they said, let's go get some of that. That must have been a bad batch we got last time. And uh, they got sick again. Yeah, marketers understand the human psychology. Now, you may think that you're making decisions and it's absent of marketing. But these companies are willing to spend multiple million dollars because they know that when you see it. Now, let me just deal with alcohol a little bit again. You ever see like a billboard or something? Uh, one I'm thinking of is, uh, it's like a wine. It's called Stella something. You ever seen that billboard? How come you all know this? Okay. So it seems like every one I've seen, the one that sticks in my mind right now, there's a, a real beautiful lady on it with like a red dress showing some thigh. You ever seen that? Okay. Because every liquor advertisement has a beautiful woman on it, right? You ever seen a woman that's been drinking for 20 years? Oh, you all seen that one too, huh? <laughs> See, but, but they understand how the human works. Now, God understands it better than they do. He said, I will keep you in complete wholeness. I will keep you in perfect peace if you will keep your mind on me. Now, he did not say, I'm going to make you keep your mind on me because your thoughts are a choice. My thoughts are a choice. I get to determine what I am going to focus on, what I'm going to believe as being true and, and where I'm going to allow my mind. So now we get into life and life happens. Everybody understand what I mean by that? Okay, where does your mind go when life happens? 
most people default to the negative. See, now I, I've talked about it, that I, I'm pressing in to live by divine health. I'm 61 years old, got no arthritis in my body. Uh, I'm on no medications and uh, I don't get sick. Okay, but now did I say I never feel something in my body? No, I have to stand against it. I have to fight. We live in a fallen world where sickness and disease is in here. But see, when, when something, in fact, uh, just walking out here today, my ankle, I used to fight karate, did a lot of kicking. And uh, sometimes my right ankle does something and, uh, and it did something out there. I almost uh, stumbled and I said, well, praise God that I'm healed, walking whole. And, and all of a sudden it went away and I walk in normal again. Because I did not allow what happened to change my thoughts of what God has said about my body. Now, I guarantee you, anybody here ever been sick? Like at least once in your life? All right. Did you feel good when you were sick? But did you think about how you felt? See, your attention turns to how you feel when something attacks your body. Has anybody here ever gone through a financial thing where you, like there was more day, daylight than there was money? Okay, how did you feel about that? Did your mind go to the lack that was present? See, God said, I will keep you in shalom. I will keep you in perfect peace if you will keep your mind stayed on me. Anybody here have a stupid relative? No, don't raise your hand. But, 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 you know, you got one of those relatives that's always just being stupid and doing what people do. And then they, when they do that and when they act up, where does your mind go? On the favor of God on my life to help them or on the idiocy they're, they're enacting right now? Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace. Let's personalize this. Say it with me. God will keep me in perfect peace. If I will keep my mind, will keep my mind, stayed on him. He's given me that right. So my mind stays on him, ties to every element of his word. I can walk in everything he said because he, what he said is the truth of the matter. But if I entertain another Way, what could possibly happen? Now I've diminished the power of his word to operate in my, mind, in my life. So now this ties back to the offering that I, I talked about in trust. Because notice at the end of, of this, because he trusteth in thee. Now the only way that I can keep my mind stayed on him comes to the level of how much I trust him. Now we say we trust in the Lord, don't we? But then we try to fix things naturally. I, I, I've asked this many times. How far can you walk with the Lord? Really, that's a trust question. I, it's a lot of things question. But how far you can walk with the Lord is based on how much you really trust him. Do you really believe that his word is the ultimate power of truth and that he has overcome the world and he is the word, manif of, he is the word manifested in the flesh, according to John chapter 1? And that his word will perform no matter what I'm feeling at the present moment. Now, I want you to see how this works. All right. Thanksgiving Day is coming up. Y'all know you're going to eat too much, right? Okay. You're, you're in the middle of a feast on Thanksgiving Day. 
because family members have brought the, the food out and everything like that, but you're going through a, a financial hardship. Life, life's tough on you right now. You can, while in the middle of the feast, be concerned about what you're going to eat tomorrow. You, you can't even rejoice and you can't be thanksgiving because you've got this pressure on you on tomorrow. Now, this pressure on tomorrow will cause a person to start being worried and will carry this, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Because they don't know what's going to... Yeah, sure, i got plenty of food today, but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And it will actually start a person to start maneuvering to get some leftovers. You'll be looking around and see how much turkey's left or ham or whatever you eat. It's like, and then you'll see somebody walk up. It's like, don't get too much, man. That person eats too much. Because I want some leftovers. It'll start driving behavior. You ever been in a pizza line, like at a smorgasbord pizza, and there's two people in front of you, and you see the big cheesy one down there? And you're like, how do I get in front of them? I sure hope they don't take that one. And then, once you get your leftovers, you're thankful. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. God's met my need. Okay, that's how Thanksgiving works for most people. When they obtain, they are thankful because tomorrow's needs have been met. Now, if we set the mind to live in the, in the, in the uh, state of Thanksgiving... I can thank God for tomorrow, even though I can't see the provision of tomorrow. Do you believe that's true? Because I got a Bible verse for you. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Now, how many how many is concerned about now in this verse? He's not talking about don't plan your life. Because in another verse, he says, without a vision, people perish. So you should be living on a plan. But what he's saying is, don't be concerned about how it's going to work out tomorrow. For tomorrow, uh, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. So now I should, if I live in a state of thanksgiving. Let me, let me read a statement that I wrote out before I finish it. Thankfulness should be a driving force not a responding force. Now, if you can follow me on that, go back to my Thanksgiving feast, I don't have to be thankful once I get the leftovers. That's not the time to be thankful. The time to be thankful is before I get the leftovers. I'm not even concerned about tomorrow. God's going to take care of me. God said, never leave me before, nor forsake me. The righteous uh, don't beg for bread and, and anything like that. Um, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for bread. I don't have to be concerned about what I eat because God will provide it for me. Now, if I can have thankfulness as a driving force, I can only do that by trusting him. See, if we really get honest with ourselves, we don't trust God as much as we say we trust God because we have to make life work and we readjust things in life to make them work instead of readjusting the things of God to make our life function according to His Word. Amen. Are you following me? Yes. 
Now, I had a thought the other day. I know you guys most of the time don't like my thoughts, but I'm going to share it anyway. Am I pulling you into the future, or are you pushing me into the future? Don't answer. Just consider the question. Am I pulling you? Now, if you know me, if you've been around me for a long time, I press into things that look impossible. We've done things that are impossible. I mean, and I try to, to get people to get in faith behind. Am I pulling you or are you pushing me? Now, I can look at my relationship with uh, the gift that God placed in my life, Pastor Harbaugh. I'm pushing him. This Kenya Clinic thing that, I, that we've been doing both here and through David Shipman Ministries, uh, I've taken that off of his shoulder Believe in God for the outcome so he doesn't have, so he can fulfill and step into the next thing. I, I'm constantly pushing him. If you ever, uh, if you look at what he's done and God's anointing on him, very, very clear uh, in that gifting. Yeah, he walks in uh, the gifting and the authority of an apostle. And uh, he will say, if you ever listen to him tell the story, he'll say, he'll, he'll bring me up. Because I'm the one, I, uh, you know, I said, how long are you going to run from this A word? Because I could see it in his life. He wasn't an evangelist. And he says, well, David, why don't you just mind your own business? But he'll go back and he'll tell the, the, how I pushed him, how I caused him to, to step up. I was, he had many people in Africa coming to him and, and wanting uh, uh, him to be the gift in their lives. But he kept refusing. He said, no, go find somebody else. There's a lot of people around here that, that want to do that. I don't want to do that. And he kept pushing it until I came along. And I said, I want to be ordained unto you. And I, I brought it up to him just like within a few weeks ago. I said, because he was, no, it was back at the missions conference when he, we had our covenant of peace uh, meeting of all those ordained under him, who's now like over 100, uh, who's ordained under him. And uh, he was talking about how he fought it, how he fought it. And then in private, I, saw, I said, do you know you didn't fight it with me? He says, no, I know that. I thought about that. He says, because I just knew it was right. But he'll tell you that, that things that he stepped into was some of it came from my prodding. God used me to be an a antagonist. Amen. Thank, yeah, it's a gift. Thank you. I appreciate that. But you know, when it comes down, the question I had is, do you see, because I'm willing to step out probably much further than a lot of people are willing to step out. But are you pushing in prayer and saying, God, lead Pastor David, that he will take us where no man's ever gone before? Amen. Or are you saying, my God, my God, would you slow him down? He's costing <laughs> me a fortune. <laughs> see, thankfulness. See, I'm thankful for the gift that God placed in my life. Amen. So I'm behind the gift trying to push it forward. Not that I'm leading him. I, I, I'm, I'm standing with him trying to take a load off his his back and help him move into the things, the fullness of what God has, has called him to. But it's like it comes from thankfulness. So you can't walk in, in the true power of what God has called you to if your thankfulness is a response. When I see it, I'll give him thanks. No, you give him thanks because he said he'll do it. But you can't say that unless you truly trust him. How can you thank God for what you cannot physically see unless you know his word is so true that it will happen? Amen. So this thankfulness is a core within our life that most of us culturally, I, I, I'm not beating up anybody. It's just, you know, I battled this too, is we have to wait until we see it to be thankful. 
It's like, no, you can walk in everything that Jesus paid for you right now. You, you can change every dynamic of your life right now. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk you in Him. Now, are you walking in Him? Oh, yes, praise God, I walk in the Word. Really? Because you're walking in the Word, you're walking in Him is going to be directly correlated to how much you trust what He has said about you in your life. And you're going to see the trust in how much you're able to walk in the Word. When, when something is trying to get on your body, when something is trying to take your money, when something is trying to take your peace, you will see where the Word of God is in your life. And, you, and then when that presses upon you, remember, if thou shalt keep your, your mind stayed on Him, where your mind goes is going to, to tell you how much the Word of God is in you. Because if your mind goes to the worst case scenario, has anybody in here ever noticed within themselves that their mind sometimes goes to the worst case scenario? Come on, it's a people thing. So now I have to deal with the validity of the word of God in my life. Now, I'm not saying a person is like not born again or whatnot, but if we're going to walk in the fullness, which I, I would encourage you to start working on yourself to walk in the fullness because the days are going to get darker. And the only person that is going to determine which way you go is you. Now, God said he would keep us in perfect peace, English translation, shalom, which is Hebrew translation, even better. God will keep me in a state where it continues to work doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter the opposition against me. It doesn't matter what they do in the natural realm. God will give me the power to stand against it because he's overcome all things in the world. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Uh, well, I just read verse 6. Let's go on to verse 7. In the which... No. Where am I? Oh, chapter 2. Uh, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, the, the word abounding there from the original Greek says, I exceed the ordinary. I abound, I overflow. Now look at your life, and is that a description of your thanksgiving, or are you more focused on what possibly could go wrong? See, this thanksgiving is uh, something that very much within us is going to determine where we walk with God. Now, when thanksgiving is a reactionary force, we're going to struggle with the things of life. There's a lot of people who have gotten upset with God, gotten, you know, walked away from God or, or whatever, because they did not see the things that the Bible says manifest in their life. So they determined it must not work without ever looking at themselves, how diligently did you walk in it? Because God has made this, this thing to work. Yes. Do you know how many people are, um, are trying to walk with God but are emotionally messed up? Because somebody hurt them, like really bad? Yeah. Not taken away from the hurt, but somebody hurt them, and now everything is judged through the filter of that hurt? Yes. They try to have faith. And they try to trust in God, but they have a hard time trusting in people. 
It, it amazes me. One of the stories in the Bible that just, it seems like I go back to it a lot. This man called the demoniac. He sat clothed and in his right mind with an encounter of Jesus. How come so many people get ministered to, get prayed for? It's like a load lifted off, off of me. I could feel the load lift off me. And within 12 hours, they're back under the load. How was he able to sit and go out and evangelize? If you read the whole story after that, he wanted to go and follow Jesus. Jesus said, no, go back to your people and testify of what's happened to you. How was he able to walk in and dismiss all the things that he's, he was going through? Now, the Bible said he was naked. Remember that part? Yes. But then it said he was clothed in his right mind. Where'd the clothes come from? Did Jesus walk around with an extra set of clothes so just in case he encounters somebody naked, he can give them some clothes? See, God has everything for us in an encounter of him. But how come we can't receive the encounter as in full force of what he intended? I tell you, it comes back to this, this Thanksgiving thing in my mind. Because until you're really thankful for what he did, you and I will not control our responses, our mouths, the different things, because we have not gotten free on the inside. Can you encounter the person that you most dislike and stay free in their presence? He said it's free. He that the Son is free shall be free in, indeed. If you're not free from something, how, are you gonna, how, how can you say you're free? The truth shall make you free. This is the truth. I should be able to walk away from everything that's hindering me. So when thanksgiving is a reactionary force, we're going to struggle being rooted and we're going to struggle being established. Now, Christians won't say they'll move from here to there, there to here, and they're constantly doing everything. They'll put God's name on it where everything in the word of God is get your roots to grow, get established, uh, not be moved and everything like that. But we, we, we put a, a God endorsement on everything that we're doing. Um, then, uh, then we go do it and it doesn't work out. We say, wow, the devil's really trying to, uh, to stop me from doing this. But the devil's defeated. Now, why is it we struggle? Because we're focused on what not working. You can have uh, 60%, 70% of things working, but you'll focus on the 30 40% that's not working. Thou shalt keep me in perfect peace if I will keep my mind stayed on him because I trust him. See, this trust and this thanksgiving, they go together. How much do you trust God? Oh, well, I trust him. Hallelujah. <clears throat> then stand on his word and don't look for a natural remedy. Walk in love with that person no matter how far you got to walk. Be anxious for nothing, no matter how much is pressing against you. Can we walk in it? Well, again, my exhortation is you better deal with you that you can walk in it because it's going to get worse and worse and worse on this earth before the day uh, of the Lord's coming. Go to Philipp, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Amen. Amen. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing. A lot of translations say, Be anxious for nothing. Now, careful or anxious compared to thanksgiving. See, if I'm getting anxious about what's going to happen, I'm not thankful that God said he's taking care of it. I was watching something the other day, and there was a medical doctor on it, and he was talking about anxiety. And he says, it's just amazing. He's an older doctor. He said, it's just amazing to me that now they've classified anxiety and anxiousness as a, as a mental or as a, a disease, as something medical. He said it never was because it's just a decision. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow, man, this doctor was preaching the Bible. For God to say, let's go back. Maybe I read it wrong. Oh, if you find yourself concerned about what's going to come up, you better go on a three-day fast and, and have 14 elders pray for you. No, he says, don't do it. Now, if thanksgiving, not the holiday, if being thankful is the driving force of my life, knowing that the word of God is true, what do I have to be anxious about? It's a decision that we make. And so, uh, let's continue to read. Uh, Be anxious for nothing, or be careful for nothing, King James. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So now he says here with prayer and thanksgiving, so with prayer and supplication. So he's not saying you will live in a state that you will never have anything knocking on your door that would try to cause concern in your life. He's saying just don't take it and be thankful. Reach out to him, pray. In prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. I know your word is true. I know your word will come forth if I can stand on your word and I know that you will do it. So therefore, I thank you, God, for it. I thank you that you've given me the word. I'm not going to choose the the carefulness or the anxiety. So we see here that thanksgiving is a giving force. I I said this uh, maybe Wednesday night. I think it was during the offering or something like that. Uh, It came out of my spirit because I had no intention of saying it. But I was talking about um, uh, how God doesn't want our money. I mean, he sees honor and everything like that. But I went to the verse and it says that the thankfulness, because the thing that God does not own is your thankfulness. That comes from you. That comes out of your heart. Now, you say, well, no, no, you just don't understand what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God has an answer for it. And if you can be thankful that his answer will manifest in your life, you can walk through anything that comes your way. The concern of self is what steals the power of thanksgiving. I don't have. You did this. It made me feel this way. Listen to people talk. They talk primarily about how they feel. And what they think. Let something go a little bit wrong during the day. Just something that they don't like the way it went. And oh my goodness. Their their mouth starts rumbling. And then they try to find people to agree with them and support. So they can build a team. A team of ungratefulness. A team of self-will. Now I'm getting on on the level of where we live. You and I have the power to overcome everything. 
You and I, through being in agreement on the word of God, can build, can, can tear down, can go over, can, can move every obstacle in our life. But most people struggle, and, and because it's a human thing, well, if I don't look out for me, who's going to? And the world's come up, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. You got to look out for number one. And then they define number one as me. You know, and you can point at yourself and say you. No, no, no. God's number one. He says, given it shall be given. Live a life of giving. Esteem others higher than yourself. Get in unity, Tower of Babel. Once they got in unity on the vision, God said, God said, God said, they didn't say, God said, nothing shall be withheld from them. Do you know why things are withheld from us? Because we can't stand on the word of God. Good preaching, pastor. Um, Verse 7, watch this. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Now, what is the peace of God that passes all understanding? It's It's in a situation that you cannot understand how you can have peace, and yet there's still peace. Most people will not walk in the peace of God because of the emotional hurt and pain that they're feeling. Then I'm not thankful for the word of God. He bore my grief. He carried my sorrows. That means it doesn't matter what I have to walk through in life that that is totally egregious. I don't have to carry it. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, he did not tell us to keep our minds stayed on him without giving us the power to keep our minds stayed on him. So the power is inside of me to walk it out if I cannot yield to my emotional feelings. Which that's a violation for a lot of people because every decision they make is based on how they feel about something. That's why you and and I will take the anxiety instead of allowing ourselves to walk in him and not take it. Now, if I take it, God's even, because he knew people been people ever since people been people. If I do take it, he gave me another verse that says, casting all your cares on him for he careth for you. So once I realize I shouldn't be carrying this, I can toss it over to him. But most people want to vomit it on other people. Some people. Now, if you've chosen to carry the weights of the world, the problems, it's hard to wrap your mind around this. Our belief systems, our belief systems determine what we're going to walk in. Now, if I'm thankful, if I have an undercurrent of thankfulness in everything that I do, then my belief system is going to be rooted on the word of God, not on what the preacher said. You know how many people are just going because of what the preacher said? The preacher said something wrong? God doesn't say something wrong. We all have doctrines. We all have belief systems. So the thing I challenge myself is, is how's my belief system working? On the things that don't work, I go back to the drawing board. I must be misunderstanding something on this. 
because everything that God says works. And in my mind, I'm on the word because I can pull up scripture too. But I'm not seeing the outcome of what I want. So I'm not aligned with it. You know, before they learned how to fly, you know how many people went off a cliff and died Mm -hmm. thinking their little airmobile would fly and it didn't? Because they hadn't harnessed the laws of of lift yet? Okay, well, well, it doesn't matter how brilliant you think you are. It doesn't matter the cool design. Uh, uh, David built a new cart for God. And I'm sure the way David's heart was and the money he had, it was a really cool cart. But Uzzah died because it wasn't designed. The Ark of the Covenant was not designed to be carried on a cart. It had been prescribed under the law how to, how to carry it with staves that the priesthood would carry. It doesn't matter that it was a cool cart. I mean, in today's terms, it probably had a rocking stereo system on it. That they could just be thumping to God music as they were going to get the ark of God. Probably had air conditioning in it so that on those hot Israeli days, you know, whoever's driving or, you know, on the car, you know, they're feeling it. It probably is overlaid with gold, probably had cool seats in it. And, but it wasn't how God said to do it. So David lost one of his main men because David did it wrong. Well, if I'm doing things wrong, I'm not going to get the outcome because God has outlined how it works. And one of the biggest things I see is we don't deal with ourselves. If I'm truly thankful, I've been delivered and I'm free. I'm not going to get offended at something somebody says. I'm not going to default to the worst case scenario because God said I'm the best case scenario. And I'm going to think on that realm in every realm. Now, am I saying that I'm there and I'm per? No, I still battle it. You have to cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you're wondering. got a little note here to tell a story. I can't remember the story now. So maybe it's not maybe it's not important. Let's go to Psalm 62. Amen. I'm going to read three more verses. Three more sections in uh, we're very short. Psalm 62 and verse 8. Trust in him at all times. What is all times? So if you apply it to your life, what is all times? So if you wake up in the middle of the night with a pounding headache, trust in the Lord at all times. If you find yourself in a situation that looks like you're in danger, trust in the Lord at all times. If it looks like your money's running thin, trust in the Lord at all times. Because he's got promises for all of these. Trust in the Lord at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge. We live in him. We can walk in him all times. Now, verse 10, first part says, trust not in oppression. In other words, when something negative comes to your life, don't trust in that. Don't trust in the outcome of that. Your employer comes to you and says, we're closing down the plant. You only have, you, we're going we're gonna to close at the end of the month, you know, which is like, what, 14, 15 days uh, from now. Don't trust in the oppressor. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? How am I going to make my mortgage, my rent? How am I going to make my car payment? Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? I'm not going to have a paycheck. You're trusting in oppression. 
God said, he'll supply all of our need. Well, I thank you, God, for the opportunity to step into a greater realm of your blessing. See, but, but our jobs become our source. God should be our source. Now, we should work. He that doesn't work shouldn't eat. But it's not our source. Our source is God. How far, how difficult of a time can you walk in God without trusting in the natural? Trust in the Lord at all times. Well, 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 I can't see how it could ever work. That's what trust is all about. God has a way to figure out how it works. Trust in the Lord. Well, it looks like, it's a, it looks like my whole family's going to collapse. Get into the Word of God and trust in the Lord. Well, my, my kid, man, they're, they're just not doing anything I taught them. Trust in the Lord. Raise a child in the way that they should go. And when they're de- they are old... They will not depart. So it might take them until they get old, but you've got a basis if you raise your child in the Word of God. Then they get stupid. You don't look at the stupid. You look at the, the Word that you raised them in. Are you following me? Amen. Turn to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29 and 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth this trust in the Lord shall be safe. So now, the whole natural system is based on men following demon uh, influences and thoughts, based on greed and self-desire and everything like that. But here he says that the fear of man, so if you're afraid of what's going on right now in this world, you're setting traps for yourself. It bring, the fear of man brings a snare. A snare is a trap. If you're fearing what's going on right now, you are bringing traps to yourself. Because fear operates like faith. It draws things to you. It gives you the ability to walk in things. But whoso putteth this trust in the Lord shall be safe. It does not matter what lines out. If my trust is in the Lord, I will be safe. Now, the only way that I can do this through, because everything works by faith, is to be thankful for what he said that gives me the answer for what I'm enduring. I hope this is making sense. Last verse, go to Jeremiah 17. Last verse, which is three verses, Jeremiah 17. Actually, four verses, something like that. Don't hold me to it. 17 and 5. Thus saith the Lord, cursed, empowered to fail, be the man, includes women, that trust in man and makes man's flesh his arm or his strength. If your trust is in the natural, you and I are functioning within the system that fails. We're empowered to fail because mankind does not have the answer to bring everything about that you need to bring about. And whose heart departs from the Lord. So in your trust in the natural, you have in order to trust in it, your heart has to depart from the Lord. I know that's not popular. I'm not. It's not my opinion. I'm just reading the Bible. (laughs) 
Then God tells what it's going to be like. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, shall not see when good cometh. Now, this is very important. What are you seeing? See, the person that operates and trusts in the natural, they will not see the opportunities and the goodness that God is putting in front of them. Now, if you remember, let me give you a better example. We won't go to the verse, so I don't violate what I said. But Elijah, after, you know, the, the fire altar, you know, killing all the prophets of Baal and of the groves and takes off running, outruns the, um, the, 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 chariot, uh, the king's chariots and horses. Um, and then Jezebel says that she's going to kill him. And the Bible says, when he saw what she said. Now, what do you see? See, if, you're, if your trust is in the natural, you have to see a result in order to, to walk in hope and everything that God's done. He shall be like the heath in the desert, shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabit it. There's too many Christians living in a parched place. Trying to get the blessings of God to propel them to the status that Jesus came and died for when it's all there available. We just can't see it because we're focused on the natural and how the natural outcomes. Verse 7, blessed, be the, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. Now we get back to this trust. Whose hope is in the Lord. The outcome is based on what God has said. Now that's going to birth the place to be thankful for what God has said. For he shall be as a tree planted by waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when the heat comes. Now they're going to walk in a place of knowing everything works. They're not even going to be distracted by any obstacle that comes because they've rooted their hearts in the word of God. Amen. But her leaf shall be green. In parched times and shall not be careful in the year of drought or anxious and neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And a lot of Christians are falling under the category of this because they're they're taking verses and saying that, no, I believe God this. I believe God. But they're not paying attention to the decisions that they make in life. Because look what God says after he says that the heart is desperately uh, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. He says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. How does he search the heart? I try the reins. I pull on the reins to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God is looking at, uh, he will take us uh, in paths of righteousness. Yea, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death to see how we handle it. We live in a fallen world. God wants to bring his glory in, into us and he wants to reveal himself through us, but he sees how we respond to bad news. Let's stand.